The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens, and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock, and to all the birds of the heavens, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man he made into a woman, and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Welcome to Dress and Keep. I'm your host, Gannon Kessler, joined by my wife, Sarah. Say hi. Hello. And we are just here today to give you a little bit of an introduction, uh, talk a little bit about ourselves, our backstory, our upbringing, um, what our what our family dynamic was like, you know, our past churches, past denominations, and some of our conversion stories. So that's kind of what we're going to start with, and then we'll get into what this uh, podcast is going to be about in the first season of Dress and Keep. So why don't you... Why don't you start, babe, and tell our listeners a little bit about your upbringing? Well, it was pretty uneventful. (laughs) My parents were in their early 30s when they got saved. And so I started going to church when I was about three months old. So I was definitely raised in a Christian home, but uh, my parents were baby Christians. So they themselves were really trying to figure things out. And they started at an Assembly of God church, and then they went over to a local Baptist church that is still up and running today. I actually attend a Bible study there, um, and that's where I grew up, and I have always attended Baptist churches. And so I've never known anything other than Christ. I have never professed anything else other than Christ. And so, um, I would say that there was a point in my life where I was definitely more of a cultural Christian where church for me was just another event. It was something that I went to, like I went to school or soccer practice. It was like an accessory to your life, but not the main thing. Yes, exactly. And so, Um, there's this turning point for me about five years ago where I realized that my faith in Christ should affect other areas of my life, not just my Sunday morning. And, um, that was about the time Lucy was born. And so there was a lot of late nights where I wasn't getting a lot of sleep. So I was reading my Bible and I was in some Mm -hmm. theology discussion groups. And that is where I discovered reformed theology. And so, that is kind of where I'm at right now. I would consider myself a Reformed Baptist. and This is not a high theology podcast, but no, we'll, we'll cover it. Yeah, maybe we'll talk about that later and what that means. But um, 
that's where I'm at. And I guess just some other information, Gannon and I met in high school. We got married at 19 and 20 and wait, no, we were both 19 and we have four, almost five kids. So what about you? Uh, well, I guess I'll start with, uh, my up, my, um, family dynamic. Maybe I'll start there and then we'll, I'll, I'll go into kind of church history and conversion story. So my parents met when they were really young, you know, they're, they got married when they were really young and then had me. And then of course, shortly after got divorced. And, and so, uh, when you have parents who got divorced and they both get remarried, you, you essentially have two families. So you have a, what maybe they call a split family. And so my, my family dynamic wasn't exactly atypical, but uh, maybe you'd call it a, a mixed family. I'm, I'm not really sure, but it wasn't, it definitely wasn't atypical. And so what you have when, when you have a mixed family is you have, you know, two birthday parties, two Christmases, you know, two of everything. Yeah, that must and, be nice. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's nice until you start to tell them that you only want to do one and not two. Uh-oh. Right. But anyway, yeah, so uh, my upbringing and my family dynamic was maybe a little bit different. Both my parents were Christians, you know, uh, and so I was raised in a Christian home regardless of what home I was in. And they just differed, I guess, denominationally. One one set of parents was we were kind of raised in the holiness church and the other one was non-denominational. And so there's a big difference between those two. And um, Yeah, that's like literally night uh, and day. Yeah, 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 I know. <laughs> so... Uh, but that's kind of like my um, my upbringing in a nutshell. And so it, both my parents got remarried and they each had kids. So technically I'm the oldest of seven and I am my only whole sibling. So all I have is half siblings or a step brother from my stepmom's previous marriage. And so it's it's definitely a mixed bag, but that's okay. <laughs> um, it comes with many blessings and, and of course many challenges, but uh, that's kind of my upbringing. And so, uh, I started, like I said, in a, in a holiness church and I went to a holiness Christian school through elementary school. And my grandma was my kindergarten teacher, which is, you know, not many people can say that, but so, yeah, I, I went to the holiness Christian school for, for that. And then once we left, once we went to moved up to Graham, we, uh, went to a Nazarene church and went there for a little while. And that was about the time that my mom uh, decided that she should go, uh, youth group shopping for me. And she does this with, uh, the boys for whatever reason. So my younger brother is actually going through it right now. And my mom just tries to make a youth group stick. doesn't really matter what denomination. So she just looks up, you know, a 30 mile radius and just takes him to a bunch of them and says, what happens, you know? He's 13. We should probably say that. He's oh, not yeah, he's like, 13. <laughs> yeah, he's not like, no, you know, no. in his 20s he, and his mom is... <laughs> yeah, so the gap is big, right? I'm 31 and and my uh, and my younger brother, the youngest actually, is, is 13. And so, uh, yeah, so she would take me to a bunch of different youth groups. And so I went to, of course, Nazarene, non-denominational, you know, holiness, uh, Baptist, you know, the whole bit. Did you ever go to a Pentecostal one? Um, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. I went to a youth group. There's a church in downtown Puyallup that might be Pentecostal that I went to a youth group there one time, but that was like, that was it. Hmm. Um, maybe they are, maybe they are. I'm not entirely sure. Um, cause I can't remember. <laughs> 
Uh, but yeah, so I went to a bunch of different youth groups and, and, uh, eventually I went to the same youth group that you went to and I tried that yeah. one out and this was actually before we were, before we were dating. Um, but yeah. And, and so anyway, when we moved up to Graham, we, we, uh, I had went, finally started going to public school. Um, I was homeschooled or went to the private school before that. And, and that's kind of where, where I met you and, and, um, Oh, well, my, my conversion story, I guess I can talk about, talk about that a little bit. I, um, I don't really have one either. Uh, I was always raised in a Christian home and like you, I took my faith like it was just something we did. It was kind of tradition for the family and that worked for a while up until I was like 15. And once I was 15, I, I started to, you know, um, go through maybe a more rigorous sanctification process. If you will, I started you know, like you take my faith, uh, more seriously and, you know, things just weighed on me more than before. You know, I had, um, I felt guilty over a lot of things, you know, more so than I did before. And so I guess, uh, that, that's really my conversion story in a nutshell, always been raised in a Christian home, but took it more seriously at, at some point. And, uh, and then we, uh, we, we met in high school. So why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about how we met? This is a fun story. So Gannon's mom taught aerobics at various churches in our area, and she happened to be teaching an aerobics class at my church. Yep, it was Fit for Jesus 101. No, it was like aerobics. <laughs> it was it was hard. Fit Your mom for is Jesus. his mom is very fit. And so my mom wanted to start going to that. I went with my mom, and we were I remember we were running laps in the parking lot, and your mom was like, so I have this son and I really want him to find a good Christian girl to date. And she was saying this to my mom and I didn't know about this conversation. My mom had told me about it later. So I wasn't like there. And then my mom's like, well, I have a Christian daughter who I would love to find a nice Christian boy for. Oh, really coy like that. Right. And that's kind of like where it sparked because I didn't really, sorry, I didn't really notice you that much until my mom like pointed you out. And I was like, oh, he's cute. And so then I had this, I remember I had a big 16th birthday party and I had a big bonfire in my backyard. We lived in the country, we had acreage. And so that was kind of what you did. And the other boy that I had a crush on was at my party and my mom went and picked Gannon up. My mom went and picked Gannon up and brought him <laughs> to my party. We did not have any of the same friends. He did not nope. even belong there. Nope. And I remember you, we were sitting around the fire and you were making like kind of some dad jokes too. <laughs> I remember Start him that. young. You were like trying yep. to make, it was awkward. And I was like, man, I don't know. But then you kept pursuing me and I warmed up to you. And then, uh, yeah, then you, you asked me out Jeez, to be your girlfriend. Pass the, pass the cheese. <laughs> hey, I could tell other stories. There's, no, I think we're good. <laughs> okay. There's other good stories. Um, but yeah, so we, uh, we started dating at 16 technically and got married at 19 shortly after we graduated. Mm -hmm. Gannon joined the military right away. We literally got married and like six days later, Gannon went to boot camp. And so he spent five years in the military. So we have how, a little. How long have we been married? 
12 years, 12 almost years. 13. Almost 13. Yeah. And so, Gannon, why don't you tell them what what is our marriage like? You better say nice things only. Uh, well, so I guess just to give you a little insight, our marriage is very humorous. We we thrive on humor. We're always joking. We're always messing around. You know, I always say that like if if it's if at all possible, we're going to be joking and we're going to be humorous unless the situation requires us to be serious. Um, and we don't really have any hobbies <laughs> per se. <laughs> we, we have four kids. There are no hobbies. Yeah, we have four kids going on five. You're pregnant with our with our fifth. Uh, we have four girls, and the fifth is going to be a boy. So big sigh of relief there. But yeah, we don't we don't really have any hobbies. We used to snowboard both of us um, when we were younger. So that, I guess that's a past hobby. And the then, last time we went snowboarding was before Kimber was born. I'm, She's eight. I know. So Does that even count? Well, no, but like <laughs> we still have the boards. So it almost true. Counts. Yeah. True. So anyway, yeah, we, uh, we don't really have any hobbies, but we do, we do like to do uh, DIY projects. We do like to do things to our home and, you know, furniture projects, painting, you know, we, we read a lot. We read a lot. Yeah, I guess we that's talk a, a lot. Talking is a hobby. Yeah. Oh. Some married some okay. married people don't even talk. Talking is a hobby. Okay. Yeah. Right. And so uh <laughs> other than reading and talking, we do DIY projects and we always, you know, we never leave our home as is. We always try to, you know, make it nice and do something different with it and um upgrade it or whatever. And uh I guess why don't you tell our listeners about your favorite past marital story? I would say my favorite story. There's, it's so hard to choose. They're all so good. Well, we're just trying to let our listeners know a little bit about who we are. So what, what do you think? I would say one of my favorite things about you is... Favorite things about me? Yeah. Every time I'm in labor, it's like a comfort. Okay. So don't think it's mean because women might be like... Oh, how rude. But Gannon like jokes and makes fun of me throughout like every single labor that I've ever had, but it's like a comfort. Like you got to keep it light, you know, and birth is super funny. I mean, if you think about it, like after the fact, when you're, when it's over, it is kind of funny. And as long, well, as long as everybody's safe, it's funny. And so Gannon will just kind of make jokes the whole time. Uh, one thing when looking for a midwife, we had to make sure that she was okay with a little joking, a little humor. Well, that just proves my point that unless the situation absolutely requires us to be serious, we're going to be joking. And there's even parts in the in middle the, of pregnancy. Well, there's parts in like the labor where you're serious, like when I'm finally having to like push them out. And well, then at the end, you like <laughs> long after the end, like the next day, <laughs> then you make comments about like the noises I made as the baby was crowning. <laughs> Okay. Well, we don't need to get too far into that, but no, it's like you, you'll go, it's like a light switch. It'll be, it'll be, you know, you have a contraction and there'll be nothing, you know, big dramatic thing and then there'll be nothing going on and then we'll be joking and then a contraction will happen and you know, oh, and then there'll be nothing going on. I have to <laughs> so do that again. There's always opportunities for me to so crack I have a joke to do in that there. Again in July. Anyways. Oh, well, um, so I guess my favorite past marital story is actually the day that I asked you to marry me. I went over to your house. I got all dressed up, right? Super early in the morning. I had the ring and I went in, 
went in, went into your, your bedroom and, uh, got on one knee and, and did the whole bit. And, uh, I had the whole day planned. And so we, uh, left your parents' house in my 91 Jeep Grand Cherokee. The, that was the best Jeep. <laughs> you know, forest green. And, uh, we decided that we were going to go spend the day out in like the Seattle area. And so we went to the Space Needle, which was an absolute disaster because the food was so fancy that it was like disgusting. I had like a, it was like a, um, like an egg on like, what was it? Was it? I don't even remember what it was. It was like flatbread, but they cracked like an egg on it and it wasn't like a cooked egg. It was really disgusting. Yeah, it was an uncooked egg on a piece of flatbread. And you're like, Why? And you paid like an astronomical amount of money yeah, for it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we're all pretending like, oh, this is very Yeah, nice. we're, we figured out real quick. We we're like, man, we don't belong here. But anyway, it was still fun. And so, and then after that, we decided to go over, I think it was Orcas Island. I'm not sure which island. I think it's that one. But we took the ferry from there over. And uh, while we were on the ferry, you know, we get out of your car and you go and you walk around and you go up on the top deck and you know, and that whole bit. And then we get back to the car and I realized that I had locked my keys in the car. <laughs> and normally that's not that big of a deal, but it is when you're in the middle of the ferry and you have to ride <laughs> the ferry back and forth a couple times for the ferry crew to unlock your car. And the most embarrassing part is like cars have to get parked around you. <laughs> so like yeah. you can't just like pull your car in and like stop. You have to go around my sore thumb car just sitting in the middle of like the deck, you know, somebody's trying to like jerry rig into it to try to get it open. Anyway, so we rode it there. Look, he's in the car, rode it back to Seattle and then back again to Orcas Island before we got it unlocked. I remember they didn't charge hilarious. us. They didn't charge us for the extra <laughs> ride. <laughs> I know that, that would have, nice. that would have been terrible. I'd have been like, seriously. But, um, yeah, so that was, that's probably my, my, my favorite story that I like to tell. Yeah. That was embarrassing. All right. So next thing on the list, um, Gannon, why did you choose dress and keep as the title? You picked it out. Well, okay. It wasn't just me, but we picked it out, um, mostly because it, uh, it gets back to the basics. And as you heard in the opener, right, I read from the King James version, I read, um, a section of Genesis, um, and dress and keep means really to work and protect, Right. So dress and keep means work and protect. And it's in Genesis 2.15. And as you heard in the opener, God put Adam and Eve in the garden to dress it and keep it. And this is significant because it's God's first task or directive given to man. And God says, you are to work and protect the garden. So then Adam begins to put things in order. Right. And he starts naming the animals and um, Adam, in this process, realizes that there isn't anybody that corresponds to him. There's nobody that that matches him. And so God gives him his task, but says that it's not good that you should be alone. And I will make a helper for you in this task of dressing and keeping the garden. And so the reason we chose this name is because, like I said, it gets back to the basics. And what I mean is that uh, God's word is infallible and it's untouched or undefiled by culture. And so when God says that what man is to, what man is to do, and this is what woman is to do, then, then that's what God created them for, right? The first directive given to man is what man was, you know, originally designed to do. And uh, God designed Adam and all men to dress and keep or work and protect 
And likewise, God designed Eve and all women to be helpful. And what this means is that women were made to take what Adam does and maximize it, right? And so to, to make it more fruitful, right? And so Adam could do Adam could do this on, on his own, but it wasn't as good as if he had a helper to maximize it, right? And so Adam... Adam um, was uh, created to do that task specifically, but Eve was created to help him in that. And you see that this is so important in today's culture because really men would rather avert their responsibilities and be passive just as Adam did in the fall. And women would rather subjugate. They would rather take control instead of listening to their husbands and, and letting them lead. And just as Eve did when she didn't listen to her husband, she listened to the serpent. She was subjugating her her role. She was letting, you know, she was either leading or she was letting someone else lead, i.e. the serpent. And so you see men and women still struggle with the same sins, right? There's nothing there's nothing new under the sun. And those things that were present in the fall are still present today. And in order for us to address and keep our our homes, aka our gardens, we must recognize God's design because um, doing what you were designed by God to do is how we are to be fruitful in our homes and really and really everywhere, but even more so and distinctively in our homes. So, so we're doing this podcast to call everyone back to the basics and to recognize God's design for men and for women and for marriage and then therefore the home. And then really what we're saying is that everything flows out of God's design. And so the question that we want to ask is, how can we dress and keep our homes for God's glory and for our good? And that's the question that we want to continue to ask here on Dress and Keep. How can we dress and keep our homes for His glory and our good? And another way to say that is that, you know, there's nothing that glorifies God that isn't also good for you. Um, and uh, do you have anything you want to add to that? Oh. Uh- what I would add is that, um, (laughs) I think the home and its functionality is just so important. I believe that your ministry should simply be an extension of what is already happening in the home. A really good example of this is my mom is really good at organizing and cleaning and decorating her own home. And because she has done that so well, she now steps out of her home and she's doing this at our church and she's cleaning and organizing and making our church look beautiful with decor and little fixes here and there. Mm -hmm. Um, And so also another uh, thing that pops in my head is that Elders, specifically, um, when you read this passage in First Timothy, elders are called to manage their own family well. Elders, another word for pastor. Yeah, elders or pastors. Um, and so we have to make sure we are caring for those closest to us well enough, then we can step out and share that same Christ-likeness to others. If you are a kind and happy person to total strangers, but then an evil beast to everyone in your home, then there's something wrong there. My hope um, for this podcast is to encourage people to find meaning and purpose in their homes again. And we see a lot of people kind of going back to being more home focused since 
2020 and all that craziness. You have a lot of people working from home. A lot of uh, women quit their jobs to stay at home. Homeschool is on the rise. Same with home birth. And so you have a lot of people now kind of turning their eyes back towards the home again. And, um, and so, yeah, I just want to encourage people to, to find contentment and meaning there to love their spouse and their children. Well, to be hospitable, to make a warm and inviting space and to keep sin, evil and lies out of the home and to speak truth and life to whoever, whoever may step in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's all I got. <laughs> no, that's good. Uh, there's this uh, quote that I I wanted to bring up by by Martin Luther, and and really what it's saying is that you know um, glorifying God is not just for church and in the worship service. It's it's everywhere you go. It's every aspect of life. And um, the quote goes like this: It says, "The idea that the service to God should have only to do with a church altar, singing, reading." sacrifice and the like is without a doubt, but the worst trick of the devil. How could the devil have led us more effectively astray than by the narrow conception that service to God takes place only in the church and by works done therein? The whole world could abound with services to the Lord, not only in churches, but also in the home, kitchen, workshop, and field. And this is just such an important concept to grasp because you don't want to ever just just be that recycle Christian where you show up to church on Sunday and you're praising the Lord there. And then as soon as you leave your, your fixation on the Lord uh, drops and you take your eyes off of him and you take your focus off of him and you don't have a full view or a full picture of what it means to glorify God in every aspect of your life. And so, um, I guess uh, another question I would ask is, um, who who is this podcast for? The podcast can be for absolutely everyone. However, we, we obviously have a Christian worldview. And so if you're not a Christian or not interested in Christianity, then you might not enjoy this podcast. But, um, hey, you're welcome to hang out with us Mm -hmm. and, um, Yeah. And, you know, our hope is to encourage regular people. We are regular people also to live all of life to the glory of God. And that is the quote of the Puritans. I love that quote. It really gives me a different perspective, I guess, uh, in how I view just everyday mundane life. Um, and I think another area and an audience that we would like to gain is um, families that don't look just like ours. You don't have to be a large homeschool, stay-at-home mom family to get anything out of this podcast. We want to be able to discuss uh, biblical principles and then kind of um, carry out how the, the methods are going to look based off of those principles. And so we know people who are single dads, we know single moms, we know people with blended families. We have so many friends and people that we just love who are in all different sorts of situations. And we want to encourage absolutely everybody, no matter where you're at in life, to live all of life to the glory of God. 
Um, and so I just hope people will walk away from our podcast feeling encouraged, informed, inspired, and we're going to cover a lot of things like parenting, home systems, marriage, Christian education, media, all sorts of fun stuff. And, um, also another disclaimer, I think it goes without saying, but I just have to say it is that we are still a younger family. Our oldest is almost eight. So we don't have wisdom yet in what it's like to raise teenagers. We yeah, still, learning. Um, yeah, we're still in the phase of having little kids and yeah. we ourselves have not arrived yet. And so we are right along with you. We're growing with you. We're being sanctified with you. And so, um, also maybe another good point is to, whenever you're, whenever you're listening to a podcast or reading a book or even a sermon, always go to scripture and make sure what the person is saying is in line with scripture. Um, and also with all things, eat the meat and spit out the bones. So there may be some things we say on here and you're like, Ooh, I like that. That I think would work really well for my family, or that's a really good idea. That's going to help me out. Um, but then there might be some things that you reject or you simply just don't agree with us on. And that is totally okay. You're still welcome here and you're welcome to listen. You're welcome to email us, comment, be a part of the conversation. And so, yeah. yeah. And really what we're, what we're trying to do here is, um, bring up principles that come from scripture and then talk about those principles and how we apply them in our home. And now you can disagree with the method, but it would be very hard for you to disagree with the principle. And so if you disagree with the principle, I would encourage you to take it to scripture and, and pray over it and, uh, ask the Lord if, if there's something that you're just not seeing, you know, and, and what, Another thing is, you know, we don't want to replace anyone's uh, elders, right? We don't want to replace your pastor. We would never want you to um, to not seek wise counsel or to replace us, you know, with or to replace wise counsel with us. You know, uh, th this podcast is meant to bring up the conversation, to bring up the principles and to really um, be a help. And, and hopefully it's uh, fruitful in your home as it will be fruitful for ours. And so. Um, we would never want you to try and, uh, to try and disregard, uh, wise counsel or the counsel of your, of your elders. And so, uh, th that brings me into my next, uh, set of questions and, and really just kind of going into what you can expect from the first season of, of dress and keep. And the, the title of the first season of dress and keep is a gospel centered culture, and what we want to focus on this season is how the gospel of God is what the home must be centered on in order to produce a culture in the home that brings glory to God. And, um, you know, like I said earlier, you know, there is nothing that glorifies God that doesn't also, that isn't also good for you. And so uh, what this means is that uh, this side of the cross, the gospel is the seed that we must be continually planting in the home in order to produce good fruit. And um, this is kind of just going back to that garden mentality, right? Like we want to we want to cultivate a a garden that is glorifying to God within our homes, and culture really means to cultivate. And so, what we must be doing in the home is is through the power of the Holy Spirit, be planting gospel seeds to cultivate a God honoring garden. And you say, well, what does that look like exactly? 
And, and that's what we're going to be trying to answer here. What, what does that look like as we go through this first season of Dress and Keep? And we want to start with the seed, and that's the gospel. And so uh, I guess I'll ask you, what, what, is, what does that mean to you? What does a gospel-centered culture mean to you? Well, I I like to be very practical because I enjoy when podcasts and sermons get very practical and life application. And so um, obviously a gospel-centered culture specifically to the home means living out the gospel in my relationships to those people who are in my home or who may enter my home. It means when I am suffering from morning sickness or dealing with the stomach flu blazing through all of our kids, I can deal with it in a way that's gracious. I'm able to laugh at the moment and to, mm-hmm. it means to suffer well. Um, it could also look like being quick to forgive my husband and my children and in turn being quick to forgive or being quick to, uh, ask for my kids and my husband's for, for their forgiveness. Wow. I'm butchering this. <laughs> it's okay. Um, we know what you're saying. Yeah. Be quick, it means, be quick to ask for forgiveness yes, from, to be from quick, your kids and your husband being, yeah, being quick to ask for their forgiveness when I've messed up and when I need to repent. We also show the gospel through how we love our family and those closest to us. Are we, warm? Are we full of joy or are we cold, sarcastic and have a bad attitude? Um, what it really means is having such a full understanding of the gospel and being able to respond to the world around us in a way that glorifies God. And I know that I am overflowing with God's grace and his goodness. And because of that, it just pours out of me and I'm able to share that grace and goodness with others, especially those in my household. And I feel like there is kind of this, this lie that's kind of out there. Um, and it's this, you can't pour from an empty cup type saying. And if you know the gospel and you are full of God's love and his grace, you should be the most filled person should there be overflowing. is. You should be overflowing. Yeah. And now it doesn't mean that you're not tired sometimes or right. you, it doesn't mean that you don't <laughs> have bad days and you just have this, you know, fake Stepford Wives smile all the time. But what it means is you live life full and you're able to give to others. Yeah, because the the weight of the gospel is so heavy on your mind and on your heart that even though the situation may be difficult and you may be, you know, as you said, suffering well in the moment, you are choosing to glorify God with your attitude, with your responses to others, um, how you treat your kids, how you treat your husband. Um, you're not being fake because you are saying that, um, the gospel of God and what Christ has done for me is heavier in this moment than my own emotions and my own suffering in the moment. And so I guess what a gospel-centered culture means for me, and at least where it starts, is with the leading in the home. You know, I, I serve my family by leading them, and I am leading them in in spiritual maturity, or I am the, you know, spiritual head of the home. And if I'm not leading them in this way, then I'm not providing a space for my wife to follow. 
when a husband isn't leading, then the wife will always try to fill that role. That's what she does. She wants to take, she wants to um, maximize what's happening, right? And so if she sees an area or a need in the home that isn't being filled, she wants to fill it. And sometimes that role is actually the husband's role. And uh, a gospel-centered culture starts with leading. And, and I'm leading my family into Christ, or am I or am I leading them away from Christ? And I must be the example or the image of Christ to my family. Um, Christian husbands and fathers who uh, who are going, growing really in spiritual maturity will will get to a place where they realize that you know passivity is just not for them, and and that God has given them a family and a flock to look after, and um, a flock to shepherd. A passive shepherd will always get his sheep into trouble or get his family hurt, and so. We must always be rejecting passivity and being bold within our homes. Um, and we must be in God's word daily in order to do this right, in order to inform us of what kind of shepherd that we need to be, that we must be. And another aspect of that is also, of course, prayer. You know, a husband uh, and a father who isn't consistently in prayer, isn't loving his family well, uh, we must have a healthy prayer life to to lead the family. And so a gospel-centered culture looks like leadership from the husband leading as Christ, as Christ, as the example, right? And so uh, any, any closing thoughts? No, I think, uh, I think we covered that really well. And I'm looking forward to starting to put out those episodes and getting the conversation going. Yeah. So uh, just a a couple more things before we close. Uh, I would say that, you know, a typical, a typical podcast is going to be, like I said, we're going to bring up a principle from scripture and we're going to discuss it and we're going to, you know, open the text and then we're going to go to the method of how, how we either are currently holding to that, or maybe, maybe we're not holding to that principle very well. And we need to, we need to improve something. So it's a, a principle and then a method um, as we work through some of these different topics. And so uh, h- how else can people get in contact with us if, if they want to? How can they get in contact with us? We have a dress and keep Instagram page that is up and running. Um, it is dress dot and dot keep uh, on, ins- yeah, on Instagram. <laughs> You can send us a message there. We also have an email set up. It's dressandkeep.kesslers at gmail.com. And if we get more than like four people listening to our podcast, more than like our grandmas and our moms. Not that there's anything I'm, wrong with grandmas and nope, moms. They, we would love for you guys. We would be <laughs> yeah. honored if you listened. Yeah. Um, we might start up a private Facebook group page or maybe Mm -hmm. just a Facebook page. I don't know. And then, you know, maybe I can share my top secret recipes or Mm. stay tuned. Nothing is secret (laughs) though. I'm an overshare. That's why I'm a great podcaster because I share too much. Um, so there's no secrets anyways. Everyone has my burrito recipe already. If they follow me on Instagram, Uh, I think, I think, uh, I think that's a different episode. But maybe maybe we'll start a Facebook. But for now, you can reach us through Instagram or our email. And yeah, yeah we look forward to hearing from you and getting maybe some ideas on topics you would like for us to cover or questions you have or any resource ideas that you're needing. Yeah, well, uh, that does it for this uh, first episode. And we'll hope you join us for the rest of this season as we discuss how to dress and keep your home for his glory and your good.